0: Our greatest hit, number 10 for our summer countdown, is Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassion never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The context for these two verses includes Lamentations 3, 1 through 3, and verses 19 through 26. So listen to God's word. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope,
1: I'll start today's sermon with a personal story. I remember this moment vividly. More than 20 years later. It has to do with a minor existential crisis that I was experiencing as I approached my 30th birthday. I had been married for seven years, father of a two-year-old, and having completed grad school, I was three years into my profession as a Presbyterian minister. And I don't recall exactly what troubled me about turning 30, but I remember being generally anxious about getting older. this, This experience that I had actually has been a great gift to me. As I have gotten older and have experienced what it's like to turn 40 and 50 and in my experience and this may not be everyone's experience but in my experience 30 was harder and so it's given me a lot of empathy for people who are in their 20s and they're approaching that age 30 because there's something about 30 that says you're you're leaving your youth behind You're heading into full adult life. And and all of those things, especially things in our culture that you want to live while you're young and in your 20s, well, when you're not, when you turn 30, you're not in your 20s anymore. And what does that mean? God met me in a powerful way in the midst of that existential crisis in, of all places, a presbytery meeting. Yeah, I know. You know, for us Presbyterian pastors and elders, we just ordained officers, uh, we've been to Presbytery meetings, not the most inspirational, you know, even to be fair and generous. But this particular Presbytery meeting, which which I did, I remember... uh, And I don't want to say I'm always this way with every Presbyterian meeting, but there was a fair bit of drudgery associated with going to this Presbyterian meeting. It was a weekday afternoon. Uh, This was actually in Fullerton, California, Orange County. Uh, I had to to get on the freeway and drive to, uh, almost to Long Beach, to Los Alamitos, to Good Shepherd Presbyterian Church in Los Alamitos, California, and sat down, and we began to worship. And the worship band at that church was playing praise songs. And I found myself really appreciative of that. I needed that. I needed that, that, that almost like retreat kind of atmosphere. And it was when they began to sing the song that we sang, the second song in our set this morning, The Steadfast Love of the Lord Never Ceases, His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. New every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. I remember a sense of God's presence coming over me. It was a direct message of assurance from the Holy Spirit directly to where I was existentially, and I no longer had the anxiety because I knew something about the future. I knew that no matter what getting older would mean, I knew that God's mercies would be there. I knew that I would be able to count on God's steadfast love And that made the difference in my life right then. And it has continued to, knowing the truth that, of which that song sings. You know, when I think of this particular greatest hit, I can't help but hear that song. Can you relate? Some of you might have noticed that, that the scripture that Brian read this morning has a very different feel to it than the words of the song that we sing. There's actually good evidence that the song and its rise to popularity is the reason why that verse is a popular verse that people look to as a treasure. Now, uh, to those of you who are kind of new, maybe this is your first time visiting, uh, earlier this month we went through a process of of really polling the congregation to get a sense of the top 10 verses in terms of the powerful impact that these verses have had in the lives of this congregation. And we ranked them in reverse order, and we're doing a top 10 countdown of our greatest hits. That, of course, is why we have our Wurlitzer uh, jukebox there. But it's kind of good to be kicking this off. This is number 10, Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. But talking about songs and music, because there's good evidence that the song is the reason why this showed up in our top 10. And the fact that this song was was recorded by many artists early on in the Jesus movement and became a standard in the Maranatha music, do you remember Maranatha? Some of you might remember that. The, kind of the standard publishing company and recording company for praise songs, contemporary music in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So here is how the, this greatest hit sounds in the King James Version. Now, a lot of the greatest hits that we will look at this summer became greatest hits long ago. And so a lot of us might even remember how it sounds In the King King James English. But here's Lamentations 3.22 in the King James. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. That is a great message. But it's not one of those King James versions that kind of rings true, right? It kind of sounds a little bit unfamiliar. Which is true of the way the New International Version, which is the version that we normally read here at North Creek... It bases its translation on the NIV. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. Well, where does the steadfast love never ceases come in? I did some research. Are you interested in knowing the story? This, the, the, the song and the words of the song are based, they're actually literal to the Revised Standard Version of the Bible. That's the RSV. It's also preserved in two contemporary translations that are based on the RSV. The New Revised Standard Version, known as the NRSV, and also, and this is something I wasn't aware of, that the ESV, which is called the English Standard Version, is also based on the RSV. Um, I had no idea. it's unique that it would come from the RSV because the RSV was published by a group of Christians that are not known for memorizing Scripture and having really deep devotional lives. The RSV in mid-20th century was the official translation of Presbyterians and Lutherans. And Episcopalians. It was was, uh, translated by the National Council of Churches and their religious education wing. And when it was published, a lot of conservative Christians didn't trust it. Here's why. They often went right to Isaiah 7.14 and it translated, uh, And behold, a young woman will conceive a child. When that is a prediction of the Messiah. And in the King James it said, a virgin shall conceive. Now that word Alma can be translated both ways. But for some people that was really going in a different direction. So a lot of folks in kind of the evangelical church at that time didn't trust the RSV. How did the RSV develop and pass on into the song? Well it has to do with the person who wrote the song a woman named Edith Richards McNeil. Not much is known about her, but I did some online research. So, here's the thing about this song. It was written in the early 60s by a person who was not old then. And so, you can do online research, and the research that I found was an obituary. She passed away at the age of 94 in 2014. She was an accomplished musician and composer of hymns and praise choruses, and she wrote The Steadfast Love of the Lord while a member of the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Houston, Texas, which was originally founded in the 1920s in a depressed area of Houston, but in the early 1960s experienced a charismatic renewal. So this song came out of the charismatic movement in mainline churches in the United States. Just as a way of helping us understand the different terminology, uh, charismatic and Pentecostal both really speak of the, the, the belief in the power of the Holy Spirit and especially the, the exhibition of the gift of speaking in tongues in worship. Pentecostal often refers to the denominations that hold that belief and have that style. Charismatic often describes people in other churches that don't hold that to be true for their entire church, but are a subgroup within. So there are charismatic Presbyterians. There are charismatic Episcopalians. And actually, for those of us who appreciate the Alpha Course, that came out of a charismatic Anglican Church in London, Holy Trinity Brumpton. Many praise songs came out of Pentecostal or charismatic churches or parachurch ministries. But the charismatic renewal that happened in the mainline church is why the Holy Spirit got a hold of them and they used the RSV version. That's what Edith McNeil used. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. So let's look at this text. The verses feature two divine qualities in poetic parallel. The first is steadfast love. The the Hebrew word here is chesed. And it's love that is part of a covenant obligation. It is God's loyalty to his promises to his people. Some translations translate this, loving kindness. It is God's promise to deliver, to help, even in the context of our failure in the demands of the covenant. And then the second divine quality is mercy. Some translations talk about it as compassion, It never runs out, the verse says. It is fresh every morning. It's like saying as sure as the sun will rise, God's mercy will be there for his people. And it's a foundation of hope because it's forward-looking. Just like in my experience, when we have anxiety about what the future will bring, knowing that God's mercies are new every morning means that there will not be a time in our future that God will not be there with mercy for us. And God's faithfulness is great. The tone that great is your faithfulness, O Lord, changes to a direct exclamation of praise to the Lord. And it actually is a change from protest to praise. Because let's go deeper into the context. I don't know if some of you were shocked by listening to what Brian read from the first three verses of Lamentations 3. But Lamentations is full of, well, lamentations. Lament. Lamentations one one. this is how it starts off. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How deserted lies the city. The entire book of Lamentations is a lament. It's a sorrowful treatment of the fact that Jerusalem, God's great city, now lies in ruins. And many people have been killed, many have been deported, and it is words to the Lord reflecting on the destruction of Jerusalem, traditionally thought to be from the prophet Jeremiah. That's why in our English Bibles, Lamentations comes after Jeremiah. In the Hebrew Bible, it's actually grouped with a number of what are called the writings, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. It actually comes after Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. But verses 1 through 3 in chapter 3 begin an intense protest against God which extends all the way to verse 18. We didn't read all of that. It might have been too much. Now, this chapter, and actually Lamentations as a whole, each chapter is an acrostic poem where every verse starts with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's actually beautiful to see in the Hebrew script on the page and yet very hard to read. What you see here in verses 22 and 23 is now a particular letter of the alphabet, the het, or to pronounce it, het. Het, yes. And so the first Word of Lamentations 3.22 is chesed. Chesed. Steadfast love of the Lord never ends. And then the next verse begins with the word chadas, which means new or fresh. New and fresh are the acts of compassion toward us from the Lord that are new each day. even in the darkness of feeling totally abandoned. That's the deep kind of insight that we get from the context, a verse that that we might sing as 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 a chorus of encouragement. What we learn from the context is that there is no place that we will experience that is likely as deep and dark as the place where those words came from. And yet we experience suffering. We experience darkness. One biblical commentator sees these two verses as the focal point that describes their entrance into the text this way, like a pool of light in the midst of the thickest darkness, it rises above into hope. What seems like disaster is not the end of God's love and mercy. Because the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. New every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Great is your faithfulness.